Kia ora, I'm Philippa Tolley and welcome to RNZ's Insight Programme. This week, what can we expect from the America's Cup in around four years' time? The Cup is back in Auckland after 10 days of victory parades around the country. In winning the Cup, Team New Zealand also wins the right to stage its defence in this country as it did twice in 2000 and 2003. Auckland, the likely but as yet unconfirmed host city, and the Cup itself have both changed since then. Todd Nile covered the Cup competition in Bermuda for RNZ, and in this insight he looks at what the next America's Cup round might look like. What do you feel? Overwhelmed. You can't describe it. My husband's been working for years for this, and it's finally New Zealand's Cup. Oh my gosh, that was so emotional. This is... I knew, I, I don't know, I was quietly confident today was the day and I didn't know that's why. Can I ask you, how are you feeling? Oh, yeah, We're really proud to be New Zealanders now. I'm so cold, yes, so exceptional. excited. Bring it home, bring it home. And bring it home they did. After three narrow failures, Team New Zealand now holds international sport's oldest trophy, Sailing's America's Cup. But it's not just a trophy. The real prize is that the winner owns the event and creates its defence where and when it fancies. In welcome home parades, politicians from the Prime Minister Bill English to Auckland's Mayor Phil Goff lined up to share their delight. You have won over the public and I think from talking to some of you here today, it's only today you've realised the impact on hundreds of thousands of Kiwis who admire your efforts and are so proud of them. I held my breath for the whole 16 minutes of that last race down at the Royal New Zealand Yacht Squadron. But we know that base will be the long-term home of the America's Cup. We're going to keep it here. Thank you very much for that effort. We're behind you. Fantastic job. Thank you very much. But for any of that to come true, first the country needs to build a venue for the next America's Cup to be staged from. I'm Todd Nile, and this insight looks at the future of the America's Cup, what the boats will look like and who will pay to stage its 36th regatta. The triumphant return of Team New Zealand with the America's Cup capped off a success that many had doubted possible. Four years earlier, with the team on match point, Oracle Team USA staged one of sport's greatest comebacks and won eight races in a row. More importantly, the return signals the start of a new chapter in the history of the America's Cup, an event in which the winner makes the rules and designs the event, an event that needs funding and a venue to be created, expected to be Auckland's waterfront. For Auckland, it's been there, done that. The America's Cup is now New Zealand's Cup, and for only the second time in 144 years, the most illustrious and elusive of prizes in sailing, international sports' oldest prize, leaves the United States, this time to a different down the country's three previous America's Cup campaigns morphed into Team New Zealand, which in 1995, under the leadership of Sir Peter Blake, brought the trophy and the event back home for the first time. New Zealand, little old New Zealand, I think that no-one uh, thought would get anywhere, has just won the America's Cup. It's only the second time in history that it's left America. I think that's pretty damn good. 
The team's then executive director, Alan Sefton, says trying to create a venue on Auckland's run-down waterfront was not easy. When we came back with the Cup in 95, uh, we were looking at a stretch of water which was the Viaduct Basin, an old fishing harbour, which at low tide you could see tyres and bits of cars and so on and so forth sticking out of the mud. So we started from two steps behind where they are right now. Um, And we had the problem of getting people to work together. Uh, For instance, in those days, the Auckland City Council wouldn't sit down in the same room with what's now the port company, the Harbour Board. Um, So, you know, we had to get all those entities together who were going to be players um, and get them to work together and get them to sort of agree to a total plan. So it, w- it was a little bit more difficult, but uh, Team New Zealand this time around has still got a big challenge. The challenges created partly as a result of the redevelopment of Auckland's waterfront, for which that cup victory was a catalyst. The creation of a cup village and the reclaiming of land for the row of sites for team bases was funded by the Auckland Regional Services Trust, a local government entity holding the commercial operations stripped out of the old Auckland Regional Authority. That blank canvas of undeveloped or industrial land is mostly now home to upmarket eateries, apartments and hotels. And credit for that, Alan Sefton says, lies at the feet of the sailing competition. Without Team New Zealand, there wouldn't be a viaduct harbour. And without Team New Zealand, there wouldn't be a Wynyard Quarter. They've been the catalyst for everything that has happened down there. And it's, it's a part of town now of which we can all be very, very proud um, and I think it's uh, the opportunity that we've now got again, thanks to Team New Zealand, we can add to what we've got down there. It's a jewel in the crown for the city. But the politicians have got to see it as an opportunity, not a handout. So can Auckland find and create space again for the America's Cup? Long-time writer on Auckland Affairs, Simon Wilson. It's an enormous challenge, and... I think the thing the city needs most of all right now is uh, a cheerleader and a cheerleader with a group of people who can work as a very high-powered task force and that's got to involve council, local government, private enterprise, uh, other civic authorities, uh, a very high-powered task force to say, OK, let's make the most of this. How are we going to do it? Uh, it does need heads knocking together. It does need people with great creative ideas to sit down and go, what can we do? It is politically difficult because in this country we're not terribly good at thinking like that. But it, it's a chance for us to start. It's not that we don't have the talent to do that. We do. Um, so let's have it. The Cup is more than just a sporting event. The two previous defences in Auckland in 2000 and 2003 generated nearly $1.2 billion of economic activity, most of it around Auckland, and with the main beneficiaries, the marine sector, hotels and restaurants. It's a huge opportunity. I mean, basically they've had, uh, again, a $1 to $2 billion event dropped in their lap, and it cost them, this time around, this last campaign cost them $5 million dollars, To get the same event, Bermuda paid $77 million US. A consultant, Peter Winder, worked for Tourism New Zealand during the two Auckland Cup defences and negotiated the government's contribution to them and the team. The first defence of the America's Cup was one of the key turning points in the development of Auckland. Um, The 
the pride that emerged from Auckland through that defence, through the redevelopment that happened, through the public gatherings that, that supported the boats going out every day, was one of the key things in helping um, to provide Auckland a real sense of achievement, of direction, of purpose. That's the sort of opportunity that sits in front of us. That sense of pride, of commitment and of investment, investing in the future is really, really important. Um, it's the sort of thing that changes cities. Auckland's political environment has changed dramatically since the public investments in the first cup defences. Amalgamation has put all the local bodies and their agencies into one family, including the ports of Auckland. Peter Winder says that should make realising the next regatta much easier than the previous two in the city. Far fewer players, clearer role for for the mayor in leading the council, um, opportunity to harness considerably more resources um, and a strong vision of the development of the waterfront. But if there's only one player, then that player needs to be engaged. Yes, they do, um, and, and they need to have a, an eye to the long term and to the legacy that could be secured. And, and, and they need to see this not just as another event, but an opportunity to do something significant for Auckland for the long term. The Mayor, Phil Goff, is putting up his hand to be the event's champion, but not necessarily the main funder. Yeah, My role is to advocate for Auckland. Uh, my role is to seize this as an opportunity to do things that will have a lasting benefit for Aucklanders and for New Zealand. And we will throw all of our energy and efforts and determination into making sure that this city can host a successful event. So are you going to lead the charge on on making this happen or are you going to sit back and wait for people to bring you numbers that you're comfortable with? Well, I think the the first thing, we have to wait for Team New Zealand to come with a proposal. What we will do in the event of a decision to host it in Auckland is to work in partnership with them and with central government and with the corporate sector to make sure that this is a good event for everybody involved. But somebody has to lead that process. I mean, it can't just be people sitting around a table waiting for the other one to move. No, I think it will be a coordinated leadership that will be required and you know, Team New Zealand is uh, front and centre of that. Uh, this is their event. Council and I as Mayor will have a key role in that. Uh, the Government and Cabinet will have a key role in that and so too will the private sector that stump up with the money that makes this financially possible. But it won't be that simple. The Cup has three parts, the sailing regatta, the event and the creation of a venue on which to stage it. The regatta is not a problem, and Team New Zealand's event arm twice ran an event at break-even or a small profit. Which publicly owned land is used for team bases, and who foots the bill to adapt that land or build a new site, is the challenge this time. Peter Winder, who up until amalgamation was the chief executive of the Auckland Regional Council, has a view on that challenge. You always need a good excuse to make good things happen and um, here we have that, we have it in spades. Wonderful opportunity to showcase Auckland and and to secure a legacy for the future Uh, and in my view the legacy here is towards the east side of the CBD, um, how you might do something around Queen's Wharf, Marston Wharf, Captain Cook Wharf as the centre and home of uh, the the next (laughs) defence. 
I'm here on Queen's Wharf, which is the home of the venue The Cloud and also the city's main cruise ship terminal, as well as its ferry wharves. And the snag with this and neighbouring Captain Cook Wharf is that they're currently used for cruise ships here and over on Captain Cook Wharf for car imports. The council-owned ports of Auckland's been reluctant to give up this wharf space after its plans to extend Bledisloe Wharf were scuttled through public opposition and legal action. Another possibility further to the west from where I am is an extension of the Halsey Street Wharf near the event centre. That's an idea that exists only on paper and is without funding or a time frame. It also carries the risk of public opposition to further encroachment into the Waitemata Harbour. Others have also suggested even further west, Wynyard Wharf at the western end of the waterfront, but that's also used by fuel tankers and for bulk chemical and fuel storage. Urban designers and architects have been pretty quick off the mark with thoughts on how the next Cup Regatta might again change Auckland's waterfront and David Mitchell is one of them. We know that we need these things to kind of give us a few revs and and I think the Cup will, will give us revs for the next few years and we may as well use them and particularly advance the public cause. His firm, Mitchell and Stout, want to turn the paved Tawero Park at the Viaduct Harbour into green space. Basically, these two tremendous sites are um, covered in car parking. And the most obvious thing, to my mind, to do to them is to get rid of the cars and uh, make public park of them, of both, uh, both of these islands, with various routes through, with grass, with hills, places you can have your lunch. You don't have to go to a fancy restaurant. There might be a few sort of food trucks and things. And, um, and trees and shade, and, and it's a fairly simple thing to do. It's a landscape thing. And I think it would, be, would draw, draw crowds. It would draw them during the America's Cup and after it. Julie Stout says there is space along the waterfront, even if it's not in a single location. This is a temporary event, but a great event, so we have to make it successful. It's a, still a small area. So you'll still get the excitement. And maybe they don't all want to be clustered together knowing, you know, staring over the fence at each other. And I think it, that would make it more exciting. It's sort of how to spread spread the event around too is a good thing because it's, it's going to be a lot of pressure on roading, transport, how you get in and out of here too. So, so um, maybe that needs to be broken down as well. Wherever the sites are, the other question is who will pay for them? Phil Goff is coy about how much ratepayers should be putting into creating the next cup event. There needs to be a sound business case that says this will be good and this will bring these benefits to the city. But when we say it brings benefits to the city, a lot of those benefits, of course, will be to the private sector. And they are the people that I think will also come to the party and want to come to the party and will want their corporate sponsorship to be labelled on the success of uh, Team New Zealand's defence. I I just think that it's about priorities, and I know where Aucklanders expect my priorities to be, and they expect me to handle their money uh, with constraint and with wisdom, and they don't expect me to splash that about on everything. We'll play our part, but I think that uh, Aucklanders across the board would recognise that there are some people in the private sector that will be really keen 
to support this event because they'll get major benefit from it. I see the marine industry was talking about, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars of work that could come their way with this event. And, you know, they will expect to play a role, as will our tourist and our hospitality industry. The Marine Industry Association acknowledges the business potential of a cup defence and from visits by wealthy people on superyachts. Its executive director, Peter Busfield, has just returned from Bermuda, promoting New Zealand to those who sailed in to that regatta. New Zealand's got very good uh, rules for visiting superyachts. The government has been very supportive, so we use a friendly for these visiting yachts. And we made this known to the superyachts whilst we're there, and I personally spoke to about uh, 25 to 30 of them, and without exception, they basically said, we're looking forward to seeing you in New Zealand. Um, is there a berth available? Can, when do we need to make a booking? Um, h- how do we do it? So uh, that gave me a, a huge confidence that the market's there ready, um, but we'll need to make the infrastructure available. But room for the marine industry to do its thing on Auckland's waterfront may already be a problem. Peter Busfield fears a Wynyard Quarter site, previously zoned for the industry, could be lost to an apartment development. We actually need more infrastructure. We're working with the council at the moment and looking at um, land that's been earmarked for uh, hauling out super yachts for refits. And I've got some grave concerns that um, there are people in Auckland Council that don't understand the whole picture and would prefer to, to build exclusive apartments that give a short-term gain rather than building up an industry that uh, provides um, foreign exchange earnings, high profile of the country, apprenticeships. But unless we've got our front door and able to actually service these super yachts, well, we can kiss goodbye to, to boat-building apprenticeships uh, in New Zealand and lose the, the mana that we currently enjoy. Auckland Council's agency, Panuku Development, which controls public land in the Wynyard Quarter, says the site in question is committed for marine industry use and is partially leased by Team New Zealand. The agency says the site may be required for cup-related use, but discussions have yet to be held between Team New Zealand and the Council. Economic analysis of the 2003 regatta estimated more than a quarter of the benefit went to the marine sector, but Peter Busfield doesn't see a place for the industry funding the event. We're just tradespeople. Uh, we're not multimillionaires that actually own these super yachts. We're, we're, we're the plumbers on the sea, if you like, and the electricians on the sea and, and the house builders on the sea. Yes, you can make a reasonable livelihood in the New Zealand marine industry, but um, we're the tradespeople that uh, proficiently build the product and, and service it. Overseas, where all the potential challenger teams for the next cup will come from, the big issues are when and in what boat. Team New Zealand has started drafting a new protocol with its Italian challenger of record, the traditional partner with which the defender agrees to work alongside on rules for the next regatta. But operations manager Kevin Shoebridge says nothing is decided. We're, we're pretty open on what the boat could be uh, and we'll look at, look at all options and see what we come up with. Um, as I say, the last boats were pretty exciting. So that's not to be discarded, and you know. But what's what's the right thing for the America's Cup? So you're not driven by the boats must be different. There must be a sort of a clear change in the boat. No, not really. I, I think it's more about doing the right thing as opposed to you know changing the boat just because you can. Matthew Sheehan is a journalist and producer of the online TV program The World Sailing Show. When I spoke to him in Bermuda the day after New Zealand won the cup, he thought the decision on the next boat was a big one. It puts Grant Orton and, and Team New Zealand in quite a tricky position because clearly they're the experts when it comes to foiling. And um, 
as I say, they've, they've set that agenda. And if you're going to mount the next America's Cup, why wouldn't you want to do it in the vessel that you've actually proved that you've got some real expertise in? On the other hand, as, as Grant pointed out at the press conference straight after winning the Cup, maybe foiling cats aren't really suitable for the Haraki Gulf. So, and maybe there are other pressures as well from the challenger of record. Maybe it's been no, um, no secret that Pat- uh, Patricio Botelli... Uh, favours Monahans. He didn't really like Martijals. And I w- wouldn't be at all surprised if he puts pressure on the process, saying, no, I, I want it to be in, in Monahals. But is the Italians' love of Monahals really a bottom line in their negotiations with Team New Zealand? In Bermuda, Italian journalist Luca Bontempelli, who covered both Auckland regattas, didn't think it would necessarily sway Patrizio Batelli, the head of the Lunarossa syndicate, which is negotiating the rules with Team New Zealand. Bertelli is a quite clever person, able to change his mind. For sure at the beginning he was on the monoal side, but I think if someone will tell him and will bring to him the right arguments, he will be able to change his mind. A dramatic foiling monohull is one possibility being floated in the sailing community. Another area of change already signalled by Team New Zealand is increasing the national makeup of teams, requiring an as yet unspecified number of sailors to be from the team's home country. This would be an important change, according to Frenchman Bruno Troublet, who first sailed in the Cup, then helped create the Louis Vuitton Challenger Series from the early 1980s. If the event is accessible to new countries with a strict national rules and force national rules, then I think you might have 12 countries on the starting line, maybe maybe more. But again, uh, we don't want uh, hundreds of thousands uh, euro or dollars budget for a competitor. Must be quite reasonable. Cannot be small boats because they make us copy specials. But uh, I'm sure there is a compromise to bring more country to restore the national pride in the cup, which has totally disappeared. And... Uh, I think that a country like Italy and France and uh, England or Switzerland or Switzerland or, or Sweden or whatever, they will come here if it is uh, more nationalistic. When the Cup might be staged is also unclear, although four years is being touted as a likely wait to avoid a clash with the Olympic Games in 2020. Sailing writer Matthew Sheehan says it can be a slow process, especially if global build-up regattas are planned in preceding years. It takes about six months to a year to really sort out the rules and the direction and, and where the cup's going particularly because the great thing about the cup some people don't like it this way but the great thing about it is that you win the cup obviously you make the rules and none of us know where it's going next and that in itself is part of the fun that's what appeals to a lot of the people that back it in a way um, even frustrating though it is so it's going to take a while to sort of organize what form the cup's going to take and then then if you've got a two-year cycle after that with one year or 18 months worth of world series type racing whatever you want to call it but on the circuit so if it's if it's two years of racing and one year of planning then that leads you towards a sort of three-year cycle i think to take it down any less than that undermines the cup a bit and i think the other important point to make actually about that is that if you reduce that time down to two years you make it very very difficult for new teams to come in and have a crack the decision must be taken quickly and uh, uh, they must uh, disclose all of their decision within a few months 
So it's a big, a big task. Kevin Shoebridge says all those issues feed into an ambition the team has for the next regatta. After six teams contested Bermuda, while only three raced in San Francisco. The biggest thing, if you put on top of all that, is is getting a strong group of challengers and a, and a strong group of entrants. And whatever that number might be, I'm, I'm not sure what that number would be, but we really want to promote more teams into the cup. Their thoughts and um, ideas have to be listened to. With Team New Zealand still recovering from the victory parades, Kevin Shoebridge is impressed that people are already rolling out ideas for a revamped waterfront. <laughs> That's right. A lot of speculation, which is great. And I think, you know, it just shows how the interest in this country for the America's Cup and gauging that on what the Auckland Parade was like, I think we're going to have a great event. It just, it's, it's all lining up to be pretty sensational, I think. The team says it needs some time to organise its thinking about the Cup defence and its next move might simply be the release of a timetable of future decisions, confirming where, when and in what boat. The government will also be a key player, as it was with the Rugby World Cup six years ago. It's keeping quiet at this stage. The Prime Minister declined to be interviewed after speaking at the Auckland Victory Parade. It's formed a ministerial group led by the Economic Development Minister Simon Bridges along with the Finance and Sports Ministers Stephen Joyce and Jonathan Coleman. Mr Bridges also declined to be interviewed. Bermuda's government is still crunching the numbers on the event that it paid up to US$77 million to host. It hoped for an economic benefit of nearly a quarter of a billion US dollars. And its Premier Michael Dunkley, shortly before the final race, told me he was optimistic. You know, until you can actually put the numbers out there to measure it, there'll be some people who are sceptical. But I think Bermudians um, not only see it now, but they're feeling it now because they're busy. They're, you know, whether it's the taxi drivers, uh, people involved in the America's Cup, or the restaurant operators, or you know, it goes right across the myriad of uh, opportunities out there. Small businesses who have been involved in America's Cup. They feel it now because they've got some money in their pockets from it. So um, that economic benefit is tangible and we'll be able to put the numbers on it in a short period after the event closes. Just as we did with the Louis Vuitton um, two years ago in October, we had it right here in, on Front Street a weekend. You know, we, we had measured an economic impact just for that uh, weekend of uh, $2.5 million. It ended up to be about $8 million. And so uh, we're confident that the numbers we predicted will be met, and I believe Bermudian people feel that as well now. With Auckland the likely host city, writer Simon Wilson says Auckland needs to be moving already. They do need to get onto it extremely quickly. That task force should should have been announced by now. It's not that all the funding has to be committed or anything, of course not, but there is a real need now for the central and local government to be saying we're going to step up and we're going to show you that we mean business by expediting this as, as well and as quickly as we can. Hosting another America's Cup has always been a possibility for Auckland. After seeing almost certain victory turn to defeat four years ago, it is understandable that no one dared to work on a contingency plan this time. But the reality and the economic opportunity it presents is a challenge that the city and the government need to meet. I'm Todd Nile, and that's Insight for this week. If you'd like to get in touch or share your thoughts on this programme, we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at insight at radionz.co.nz or our Twitter handle is at insightrnz. 
If you'd like to explore other insights, head to iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts from or the Insight webpage at radionz.co.nz forward slash insight. Ka kite anu and thanks for listening.